Chicken Nuggies, the Nuggets win the NBA championship. All I need now is some chalky milk. They win in five games, four games to one, beat the Miami Heat. Kudos to them for making it. It is an eighth seed, but the Denver Nuggets, after 47 years as an NBA franchise, has their first NBA championship. Now, I'll just say this real quick because I feel like a lot of people that listen to this are not here for sports. I just think it's cool that a team that plays as a team, that are a little humble, uh, Jokic, such an interesting character and all that, uh, pulled this off and for a small market team. Uh, I'm a Jazz fan before I'm a Nuggets fan. I'm a Supersonics fan who they're not even around right now. Uh, hopefully they bring the team back in the future, but... Yeah, I'm going to cheer for the Supersonics and the Jazz over the Nuggets, but it's nice to finally have a team in Colorado that I can root for, that I like really like. And I think a small market team like the Nuggets winning one only helps out a team like Utah to win one. Uh, Seattle already has one, so when they come back, I think that one was in like 76 or something. Forgive me if I get the year wrong. But, uh... Yeah, it was one of my favorite years watching the NBA. Uh, it was nice to have a team I was rooting for actually win the whole thing. Um, looking forward to seeing the Jazz get better and better. Hopefully they change their uniforms. Because, I mean, I mean, look at this. This is sweet. I've always loved this, like, gradient rainbow thing they got going on for the Nuggies. I mean, they did that before Pride Month. So remember that, too. This isn't all, like gimmicky this is they've been woke for a while that kid uh so that's enough sports but buggies that's right goddamn right i'm here to talk about music before we get into the movie section with our boy dan um kellano should be back soon to do this segment with me he's been doing a lot of like life stuff lately so He'll let me know when he's ready to get back to it. So, music news. Music recommendations. I really kind of don't have a lot because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts talking about the Nuggies. Um, haven't been really keeping up on new releases or maybe they just haven't been appealing to me as much lately. For instance, there was some little EP that just got released by Slipknot called Adderall. I'll give it some kudos for being different than what they normally do, but uh, maybe one of the worst things I've heard them put out at the same time. 
their uh, another one of their members has left. Uh, I think it was Krieg. He's the keyboard player, guy with all the the pinhead kind of gimp suit look. So I don't know what that's all about. I just yeah, whatever. I I still need to see him live. I hear you need to see him live. I was supposed to see them back when they released their third album and I lived in Utah and then they canceled cuz his throat hurt. And I'm not going to give him shit for that. That happens to everybody, but uh yeah, I I have to admit that when that got canceled it kind of dimmed my love a little bit, probably unfairly, but from then on I just wasn't as big of a fan. Uh a remix for Crosses by Suicide Year. It nothing special, didn't really stand out to me. Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead is doing another project outside of Radiohead and outside of the project with uh, Tom York, The Smile. This is Jarak Kadabak. Has some kind of Middle Eastern Asian influence as far as like the musical stylings and genre. Um, I liked it fair enough, but then again... It didn't seem wildly innovative. It just seemed like Johnny Greenwood playing on that type of music. Which is totally fine. But, uh, yeah. I haven't been back to a second listen yet. Maybe it'll grow on me and I'll start to fall in love with it. Uh, yeah. So, as far as that's my Spotify new releases radar, I know I have found other stuff. But I just haven't written it down or paid much attention to it. Uh, let's see here. Sorry for the silence, y'all. Let's look. take a look at the jump back in. Alright, so I did check out some new releases. And I'll just give it a quick shout out. Um... Sarah Kinsley, Ascension, put out a new EP. Doesn't really appeal to me, but I can tell it's well, ma well made. It has sort of a uh, Kate Bush thing going on, which makes sense because that's kind of popular these days. Um, and yeah, it's tastefully made. Not really for me, but if you like Kate Bush and that kind of thing, then check it out. That's Sarah Kinsley, Ascension. Then, if you like electronic bleep bloop stuff, there's an album from Eprom, E-P-R-O-M, one word. And the album is synth Synthism. Um, some clever, interesting little bleep bloops going on in this, but also pretty straightforward. Didn't totally grab me, but if you're into that kind of stuff, it might grab you. There's a new album from Ultra Q. My Guardian Angel is the name of the album. Very much not my style of music, but that being said, listening to it, I could tell it was very well made. It's kind of like dramatic, overproduced emo rock, indie emo rock, and so really not up my alley, but the fact that I stuck on it and listened to it and was like, I almost really dig this, I think says a lot. So maybe it's something I'll keep trying to to digest and get used to. If I ever date an individual that really loves Ultra Q, I'll be like, yeah, right, put it on. Uh, 
There was one that was fun that I need to digest more. It was Techie Techie. That's T-E-K-E colon colon T-E-K-E. They released an album called Hagata. It's kind of like weird avant-garde Japanese traditional music influence is what I'm getting from it, at least on the first few tracks. I need to listen to the whole album and kind of digest it more, but that one was a lot of fun. I think I will come back around to that one. And I don't think I've recommended this on the podcast. I discovered this before Kellen took his break, but there's an album from Hannah Jadagu, and the album's called Aperture. And it's dream pop. Kind of gives me the Cardigans vibes at times. But definitely a modern twist on that. Um, I think... I'm not so sure on this on this album, but she's done an album that she recorded on her phone. So she's kind of like one of those DIY, Gen Z, maybe millennial uh, musicians that just can put together a really impressive album with just their phone. Um, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think she finally got with some producers, but... You can tell she has a little bit of a modern taste and there's this kind of crunchy spaciness to the music that's really nice that elevates it above just standard pop music. With that, was there... Yes, there was one other band I wanted to shout out. This is not new. Um, but I learned about them from Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum's Facebook page. And I'm not totally sure what their connection to them is. Maybe they just tour together or have a similar style. Maybe they share members at times. But this band is called Cheer Accident. And I've just been really enjoying them. They're kind of like... It's almost like if you took Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, which is pretty avant-garde metal with like tiny folk elements. This is almost like if you took that sort of avant-garde-ness but then tried to make like a Beatles record with it. But even saying that, from song to song, it's pretty different. But that's what I like about them. Um, let's see if there's got a bio. While still in high school, pianist Time Jones was browsing the racks at a Hallmark greeting card store when he noticed a category of greeting cards labeled Cheer Accident. Since then, six lineups have passed through Jones' band Cheer Accident, and it has endured the loss of one of its members. The group, which plays pop songs with off-kilter chord progressions, has released numerous albums and a handful of singles for labels such as Complacency, Pravda, Skingraft, and in 2009, Suniform. So yeah, oh, this is a pretty long bio, but I bet you anything there was some Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum cats that played on this. Because there is just some of that through line, but I noticed it more on one album than another, so the varying lineup of people makes a lot of sense. Uh, as far as releases go or anything like that, um, I highly recommend listening to an interview with Depeche Mode that was on the Smartless podcast. That was really informative and interesting. Me as a Depeche Mode fan even got kind of this new, fresher perspective on them. So 
go check that out. But in that interview, they shouted out the the another kind of avant-garde 80s musician. So I've been digesting his work, um, first three albums, and that stuff's really good. If you've never listened to the the, I'd say start at the beginning and move forward. Um, there was one other one, and I do need to dive back into it to digest it more. Oh, Fad Gadget. This is apparently uh, another kind of electro-pop, experimental new wave act that was going on during Depeche Mode's early days and Depeche Mode open for them, and they are also very creative and interesting and odd. So check out Fad Gadget. I can't really tell you where to start. Maybe do a Greatest Hits album. But Fad Gadget, the, the, if you like Depeche Mode. With that being said, probably the day this episode comes out, my band Gamma Pa will be dropping another new single. We dropped a single last month on the 15th on our band camp, The Homeless King. And so each month, with whatever song we got, we're going to try to keep releasing stuff. So this month's release is Victory Crew. That's going to be up on Bandcamp on the 15th and then on all the other streaming on the 22nd. So look forward to that. Give me feedback if you dig it. Um, all that. Any other local releases? There's a new track from uh, some friend bands of ours. Forgive me if I can't remember, but I'm going to try to go off the top of my head. There's a new track from Alistair Cowboy. Something Teeth. Yeah, new track from Alistair Cowboy. New release from... Uh, apologies. Uh, new release from Jesus Christ Taxi Driver. There was something new from our friends and author of Your Downfall. New track from them. Uh, both the Alistair Cowboy one and the author of Your Downfall. Very well produced, by the way. I haven't gotten around to the Jesus Christ Taxi Driver recording, so I can't say. But I imagine they sound good. But at least for those two, I can speak for them and say that they sound great. Um... There's another band we're playing with for the very first time. So I'm still trying to remember their name, like right off the top of my head. I'll probably have to pull it up and I'll remember it right as it pops up. It's gonna be... I'm not remembering it, sorry. Oh, I kept, want, I kept wanting to say Dead Bones. It's Heated Bones. I believe they have a new release, too. And we're going to be playing a show with them this Friday at the coast in Fort Collins, along with our good buddies Soviet Mothers, Awesome Band, Animal Future, and I think maybe a newer band. I'm not sure, but uh, Swamp Candle. They'll be opening. And we're playing second. So that should be a fun, fun gig. And then we got another show down in Denver at the Goose Town Tavern on Thursday, so probably by the next episode, that'll be happening the day that releases. So that is all the music releases and news I can 
think of. Let's scan the websites real quick so you don't have to. Les Claypool's Fearless Flying Frog Brigade announces Hunt for Green October 2023 tour. So if you're into that, look up the dates. Uh, scanning. This is on blabbermouth.net. Uh, a lot of just tour announcements from a lot of metal bands. Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing... Oh, here's one tiny little tidbit of information, I guess, but Queens of the Stone Age frontman Josh Holm reveals he was diagnosed with cancer in 2022. Hopefully he's doing better now. I, I would imagine he is. I'm just revealing it now. Um, and if he's still dealing with it, hopefully he gets a quick recovery. Um, Ginger, a Ukrainian metal band, said that they directed all the negativity from Ukraine's war with Russia into new music, saying that it's new aggress uh, it's more aggressive. And they're already pretty aggressive. But uh, hopefully that war ends soon and they have every right to lighten up and enjoy that stuff. But as of now, totally understand their anger. Fuck Putin. Just FYI. Uh, back onto the pitchfork. A little more of the indie type news. Blah, blah, blah. Apparently, this is a headline. I'm not even going to bother reading it. Paul McCartney made a new final Beatles song, helped by AI. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I care. You can look that up if you care. I just, that seems... And it's not even that I'm opposed to the, the AI music debate and thing and, you know, like AI making a new Nirvana song or whatever. I think it's a silly little gimmick that can be fun. And even if one blew up as like a hit single, I don't think that takes away from human art or human artists or the artists that the AI is mimicking. But at the same time, it's very gimmicky and Paul McCartney writing a final Beatles song using, I imagine, John Lennon AI because I think I came across that headline somewhere else. Uh, Paul McCartney singing with John Lennon again or something. Yeah, it's, it's just a gimmick. Good for him trying to stay relevant, I guess. There's another podcast subject. Does Daft Punk's random access memories hold up ten years later? I don't know. I was actually thinking about a week ago. I need to listen to that album. I know a couple songs that people have played for me. But uh, I've never actually like gone through the whole thing, so I think on one of my night walks I'm going to just listen to that. Should be good. Jesse Ware reaches Disco Nirvana on That Feels Good. I need to check in with Jesse Ware again. I did like some of her releases like about five years ago or something like that. So I need to see if I still dig that stuff. I just hasn't been notified. On my Spotify to check her out still. So I gotta do that myself. 
With that being said, I think that is all the music news. We're going to go transition into the movie segment of the podcast. And back right. Goddamn right. Go Nuggies. And see you over there. Welcome back, Dan. It's time for more movie reviews. And we're going to be trying out a new thing. We're going to actually tell you some movie news that's going on. Uh, The reason why is I find every time I search up movie news on YouTube or whatever, there's some shows I really like, but there's a lot of, like, over-the-top positive types where I don't think that they're really speaking their mind. They're kind of like, I don't want to say Hollywood shill types, but (laughs) they're they're kind of overhyped about every Marvel thing that's happening or every DC thing that's happening, and that's fine. If you enjoy that stuff, good for you, but uh, not to speak for you, Dan, I think you and I are a little more cynical. and Yep, just a bit. <laughs> so we like to scrape the news for like, oh, wow, that's actually kind of intriguing or interesting. And if we come across a news article where we got an opinion on it, yeah, we'll share it, but we'll try to keep it generally positive. But, uh, we don't really if we're not really into it or don't really like it we'll say so you know you can come to us for the cynical old uncle take something like <laughs> that and but yeah don't worry we're not bothered by movies being all woke or like whatever like we're we're fine <laughs> but first things first let's do our usual uh letterbox diary reviews last time we left off at ant-man and the wasp that was one I watched. I don't think you've watched that yet, correct? Nope, I have not. And I, I will stand by it. I don't think you need to. Like, it's particularly forgettable for MCU. But, I don't know. It might be intriguing to watch purely for Jonathan Majors. Especially since he might not even be in that role anymore. But we'll see what happens to him. Yeah. Uh, so then the next film that we watched, it was that Sunday. We like, like to do this nice, cozy little family movie night on Sundays with all the homies. We decided to watch Babe. Uh, that, I'll pull that up real quick. If you don't know, I, I guess there's maybe a fair amount of people listening that might not know what Babe is anymore. It was a huge hit when we were little. Oh, yeah. Um, Babe is a little pig who doesn't quite know his place in the world with a bunch of odd friends like Ferdinand the Duck who thinks he's a rooster and Fly the Dog who ca- who he calls Mom. Babe realizes that he has the makings to become the greatest sheep pig of all time and Farmer Hoggett knows it. With the help of the sheep dogs, Babe learns that a pig can be anything that he wants to be. Wow, <laughs> what a beautiful write-up and <laughs> description of the plot. <laughs> Came out in 1995, and I was thinking it was directed by George Miller, but he simply produced it. I guess it's yeah. directed by Chris Noonan, who I just did a quick look at his other movies. I don't think I've seen anything else from him. Yeah. So uh, I gave it five stars out of five, and I like it. It's a classic, especially for oh, a G-rated I'm movie. Doing. Yeah. What are your thoughts? It on? was nominated. It was great. Uh, I, just a little background on it too. It was nominated for Be- best picture that year. Didn't win, mm. but it did win the Oscar for best effects and visual effects. 
Thanks to Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Yeah. A lot of it does hold up pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, when you use mostly practical stuff, it holds up better to time, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for I'll say it again, for a G-rated movie, it it holds up really well. And for a cynical old man like me, it's like, yeah, it's still quite charming and humorous. Yeah fun for the whole family (laughs) sure i mean i don't know do you feel like it has like a don't eat animals message do you feel like it's that heavy-handed i don't think it's not i mean it has like undertones of like hey humans eat different animals and that's yeah i don't know it there's undertones of it but it's not like don't eat meat or you're an animal sure (laughs) Um, who's the, the farmer? What's that actor's name? Uh, here, I got it. Um, James Cromwell. James Cromwell. Like, didn't he, he's a pretty avid animal rights guy. Like, yes. Somebody was telling us about, maybe that was you even, like, he glued his hand to, like, a table in protest of, like, I don't even know. But, so that did pop up into mind when we watched it. He's an animal rights activist. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Another funny thing, uh, Hugo Weaving is the voice of, like, the main sheepdog in this. Rex. And, uh, yeah, Rex. And it was... Yeah. I had to look it up, because I was like, I know that voice. Who is that? Turns out, the main sheepdog is Elrond. Yeah. And, Agent you know, Smith. Agent Smith. <laughs> that is what was funny. Yeah. I think that was the most... Uh surprising thing about this watch through is it had been so long since i'd seen it so i think quite literally since the last time i was watching this movie i had seen matrix and lord of the rings a bunch of times and v for vendetta so yeah it was weird to come back to it and be like holy shit what why is this voice so like (laughs) distinct to me and then you're like oh okay but yeah he is incredibly intense in that role um Beyond that, score is really great. The music's wonderful. Oh, yeah. The um, sets are all very, very good. Yeah, filmed in Australia. We looked that up during the viewing. And I read a little bit more about it afterwards. But, uh, yeah, really beautiful spot. Like, we looked up a map of, like, a uh, temperate rainforest. When you look at the map of the entire world, there's not a ton of regions on the planet that are like that. And it's just this little, like, sliver in Australia. But that was interesting. Beyond that, I suppose we can move on to the next movie. Uh, Before we do, what's your star rating? Oh, five. Five out of five. Great movie. It's a classic. There's a little bit of, you know, nostalgia, rose-colored glasses and that. But who cares? Five out of five. That's (laughs) what we do here on this podcast. We're not hyper analytical to like get the specific star rating. It's like, nah, it's five stars for me. And that's totally fine. Um, we then had another silly movie night. I think, yeah, I guess we've. Okay, yeah, we did one of our Stephen King movies and then had a break and got all the way to Thursday. Um, we watched another DCOM. 
Um, this mm-hmm. is the attachment to Horse Sense. The little snotty kid in that has turned up into a really snotty teenager. <laughs> but now he's blind. Uh, Jace Newfield has a problem. Besides being blind and being the new kid at school, his problem is that the kids at his new school thinks he's a jerk. Jace has to find a way to be accepted into his new school. Joining the wrestling team just might work. Um, yeah, uh, he moves to Utah, which was a nice little treat for us. It's like, oh, hey, Utah. Yeah. Um, I gave it two stars out of five, and I liked it, though. It was funny. Like, I had way more of a fun time making fun of this piece of shit than Horse Sense. Yeah, about you? yeah, for sure. For for that vein of movie, for like just you know random decom, yeah, it's decent. Like you know, I, I think, don't have anything <laughs> terrible to say about it. <laughs> I think it's worth pointing out that so our buddy Neil enjoys these quite a bit, and so he initially turned me on to like watching some of these. There's another podcast he's mentioned where they, I think they watch every single decom. And good for them. I'm glad somebody does it so I don't have to. But uh, yep. <laughs> Neil brings me the ones that are particularly like funny or that seems like they had a good time watching it. And this is still... I don't know. We had a really good time making fun of it. But yeah. uh, Wendy Wu and Luck of the Irish are just even more silly. So it pushes it over the top. Um. But this was pretty fun to have that kind of a night with it. But yeah, to point it out, is I've I like ripping apart shitty movies, and then mm-hmm. Neil kind of likes them, and, and you have a little less patience for it. A little bit less, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on Thursdays, I kind of I try to work them in to appease everybody, but then it's like we can't do it every Thursday. Yep. Um, notable things in this. It, there's, it is borderline another thing we do on Thursdays, which is like, wow, I can't believe they made that, like, in terms of offensiveness. Yeah. It never gets that offensive, but kind of the way they're, like, acting with blindness and how they're treating yeah. it is a little, like, that's hilariously, like, not really <laughs> PC. Yeah, the Wayne Brady music teacher blind guy that's yeah. just, like... Oh, you're going to do a blind black man that plays music? Is that yeah, what you're doing? Stevie Wonder a little bit. <laughs> that was what was funny, though, a little bit, though. A little on like, the nose. <laughs> so they got the blind kid and then blind Wayne Brady, and they're, like, talking shit back and forth. It's like two blind people, like, in a burn rap battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we also found out our good friend, like, wrestled. And it took watching this movie for him to reveal that to us. So that was kind of <laughs> interesting. I was like, wow, wait, wait a minute, you wrestled? He's like, yeah, I have some medals. I don't like to talk about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, holy shit. So that kind of, we have a fun little thing, especially with silly movies like this, where it's like, well, if all of us here had to play a role in the movie, who would you play? And so... Clearly our buddy, I'm, I'm leaving him nameless just because I don't know if he wants this information out there, but yeah, he became the main character. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, Yeah, so yeah, I gave it two stars and I liked it. How many stars do you give it? Yeah, about two. That's fair. Yeah. It was better than Horse Sense. 
That's what I can say about it. That's for sure. Then we watch From Beyond. This was my first time watching this. Um, this is the same director as Reanimator, which I believe we went over in the last podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, came out in the year 1986, the same year as me. And the plot, uh, the plot is, a group of scientists have developed the Resonator, a machine which allows whoever is within range to see beyond normal, perceptible reality. But when the experiment succeeds, they are immediately attacked by terrible life forms. <laughs> and directed by Stuart Gordon, who were after watching this, like I'm gonna have to see a lot more of his movies. Um, I gave this five stars out of five. I liked it. I I loved it really. Um, why don't you tell me what you think of it, and we'll get into the details. Uh, I mean, it's very much in the same vein as Reanimator. Lots of the same actors, the same kind of um, practical effects, and same similar storyline but you know not exactly the same obviously um mm -hmm. it's um it's great i mean this one um I, I don't think i liked it quite as much as reanimator but i yeah. definitely i mean it's a classic it's i love it um i think i maybe like it a little more than reanimator but they're they're so close yeah. to each other that it's kind of like negligible yeah um i would say is it Jeffrey Combs, the scientist and reanimator, and then yeah, 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 his character isn't as what an awesome character like as reanimator in this. Still great, but this mm -hmm. is a lot more about Barbara Crampton, I believe. Yeah, I would and, definitely yeah. call her the protagonist of this, and he's just kind of yeah, it's know, like kind of the conduit side. for the plot to move along. Yeah, and uh, until until she becomes the main focus, but uh, I don't have full on proof, but I guarantee you they were doing nice little subtle things to her to make her like this frumpy nerdy scientist, and then as the movie goes along, they just make her like more and more sexualized because the the resonator apparently makes everybody like super horny. And like sexual, it's just their like their extra sensory things, like feeling out into the unknown. So yeah, it's a little like Hellraiser in that way. It's just like yeah. so many sights to show you. It's like beautiful pain and beautiful pleasure, and it's all kind of interwoven yeah. together. So she lots just, of BDSM yeah. innuendo woven yeah. in there yeah yeah so she goes from like frumpy scientist to like BDSM chick which is like pretty hilarious and awesome and um yeah a lot of really great side characters was is his name Bubba yeah I think so yeah he's kind of doing Bubba. the stereotypical like black guy role yeah but like he's Ken awesome. Forey, yeah, yeah, was the actor. Bubba Brownlee is the character. I don't think they ever said that last name, but no. Bubba Brownlee. I, I think they did. He's like, I'm called da 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 da, but people call me Bubba. <laughs> but yeah, like the who's the main evil bad guy? Is that Ted Sorrel? Edward? Yeah, Pretorius. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's pretty awesome. Was like the deviant evil bad guy. 
He's like a whole another level of deliciously evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, very much a, a pinhead style character, especially yeah. later in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and we'll get into this more and more as the pod goes along and we watch more of these films. But so there's a movie I need to show you called Society which is directed by Brian Usna, who produced this. Yeah. And then the practical effects guy in that is called Screaming Mad George, and he did Society, and then he did the sequels to Reanimator. Mm-hmm. But um, he didn't do it in this. Um, that was... Um, John Nolan, who we're going to bring up in another movie on this list today. And then John Carl... Butchler, and I'm still kind of reading up on him slowly to see if there's much of a connection to Screaming Matt George, Screaming Matt George between them. But uh, they're all the practical practical effects artists, and there's some stuff in this that's in society, and also just some of the carryover from the great practical effects of Reanimator, and. I think that's something that I'll reiterate is that with Reanimator and From Beyond, at the very top, we're kind of talking about the characters and all that, which is great and all that. But we did the first thing off the bat, we're not even getting into one of the coolest things about it, which is the practical effects and the style and camera work and like yeah. the music's wonderful, the the texts, the fonts on the credits, like it's all great stuff. And it's like, yes, yeah, that perfect line between cheesy and gory and sexy, but sort of lame. And <laughs> I don't know. It's like just such a perfect balance of flavors. Um, seems like From Beyond is, I'm scrolling quick. It's either five stars or four stars for people. Not a yeah. lot of arguing on it. So. Yeah, if, if you've seen Reanimator but not seen From Beyond, like go see From Beyond. Yeah, very much in the same vein. If you like one, you'll more than likely like the other. Yeah. Um, anything else on that before we move on? No, no. Is that Great a five, movie. Five Watch star it. Star for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll briefly go over Terminator Two. Um, Shocky was watching that late at night after we got back from a concert. I came back and finished the Rose Red miniseries with you. And then I mm-hmm. walked upstairs and caught the tail end of Terminator. And I count that as a full watch because I know the movie so well that it's just yeah. like, yeah, like, yeah, I watched it again. And, um, I guess what's funny though, over time I've, I've, Taking a star off of Terminator 2. For what? I, it just, it's kind of fucking cheesy. That's true. (laughs) I, I think Terminator is five stars. And then as I've revisited Terminator 2, it's amazing, but there's like, there's just something about it that's like, it's slightly lost its appeal. It's still an awesome movie. Don't get me wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't I don't know what it is. It's is 
I don't know if it's like how quippy everybody gets. Or like what, but maybe I've just seen it too many times now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Somebody could maybe like talk me back up to a five star. Like, I'll give it a five star for um, historical relevance and importance. Yeah. But for me personally, it's like, it's kind of lost its luster to a slight degree. Yeah. It's still an awesome movie. Um, his little like tank thunk gun is still one of the mm-hmm. coolest movie weapons of all time. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? On Terminator uh, 2, James Cameron, many of that? I mean, for, I mean, I love that era of James Cameron, but that's mainly because of like aliens and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a classic movie. I love it. Yeah. I, um, I don't like it quite as much as like aliens, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. I've just never really been into the Terminator franchise in general. I yeah. I mean, I still enjoy the movies. It's just like it doesn't suck me in as much. Maybe that's what it is is when I've gone back and seen The Abyss or Aliens. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, even the first Terminator with its kind of more low budget charm and it's a little more aggressive mm-hmm. and mean. Yeah. Um yeah, you can almost see in Terminator 2 him turning into James Cameron Titanic Avatar. Yeah. James Cameron. Yeah. And those are both still good movies compared to a lot of other movies. But yeah, he's kind of the cornballs blooming within James Cameron a little yeah. bit. Yep. But uh, yeah, still amazing. And I still love Arnie. Um, our, our Linda Hamilton's awesome in it. One of the great female protagonists. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. Just total badass. And yeah, some people really don't like Eddie Furlong in it, but I always kind of enjoyed him. Yeah, I, I mean, he's fine. I wouldn't say he like knocked it out of the park or anything, but he's fine. No, no. But the best friend of Eddie Furlong in Terminator Two <laughs> is also in the next movie we watched, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Which also had special effects from John Nolan, the guy that was in From Beyond. Special effects. And yeah. one of the writers, I believe, on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was Brian Usna, who is a producer for From Beyond and director of Society. So, kind of fun little Makes connection. me wonder how they got a job with Disney after that, like... I feel like it's just like they probably had such a well-known creature effects, special effects, practical effects house that it's just who you went to. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, like, wasn't it Lucasfilm that developed a lot of the CGI that ended up being in Terminator 2 and in Jurassic Park? I believe so, yeah. So I know I, Jurassic Park is is heavily tied to Lucasfilm Studios, but yeah. So yeah, I want I'm you know there's a lot there to like learn about and uncover, but yeah, I wonder if these guys or their associations were, and then also like Phil Tippett's. I wonder how much they relate to him. That's the guy that did Mad God and the special effects, the some of the practical effects for Jurassic Park and um. Uh, 
RoboCop and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, that the, the whole other question, like Tools guitar player that did a little bit of special effects work on Terminator and Jurassic Park, like there's there's that key era of like about not the eighty nine to ninety three, where it starts to shift over into that CGI era, and I wonder if like. Maybe Lucasfilm was like, we're going to really concentrate on the CGI. And then these guys are like, nah, we're we're like old school purists or whatever. And then that takes off. And I don't know. I, I would love to know the history. If there's a good documentary about it and you're listening to this, you should write us at the Jacob Wayne show at gmail.com and let us know what to watch. Cause I would like to know because some of these guys like, um, Director of From Beyond, Stuart Gordon. Still memorizing names, so apologize if I got it wrong. But um, some of these guys are passing away. And that whole era is like, I really hope that they had good, strong protégés and people that are continuing the work. But uh, yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I give it a five out of five for what it is. It's classic kids movie. Um. I loved all the effects. They still hold up in their own way. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously dated, but just still pretty, pretty cool. And uh, Rick Moranis, you gotta love him. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> I think uh, the kids are like the kids don't annoy me. Like they have yeah. annoying elements that kids have. It's just inherent. But, like, they're little quippy back and forth with each other and just talking shit. Like, kind of like it. It's like, yeah, these are likable kids and the parents kind of talking shit back and forth. Yeah, it's hard to get a movie with this many child actors. Like, I mean, they're most of the cast. Yeah. It's hard to make that a good movie. Yeah. And they did it somehow. I mean, I don't think any of the kids did an outstanding job or anything, but it was, it was fine. You know, like there wasn't anything that took me out of it or annoyed me or, you know, I think they all did a good job. Yeah. Nothing outstanding, but they all ended up being pretty likable. Yeah. Um, this it's, is it's not like one of those, it's not like one of those child actors that you just like want to strangle halfway through the movie where it's just like, Oh, shut up. Yeah, like the Shining miniseries. Yeah. And I was trying to think of ways of, like, how can the hotel win this time? (laughs) Um, I really like this director. He's kind of underrated to me. Um, He did October Sky, The Rocketeer, Captain America, The First Avenger, one of my favorite MCU movies, actually. Uh, Jumanji. Um, Unfortunately... He did Jurassic Park 3. I never saw The Wolfman. <laughs> I didn't either. I wonder if that Maybe is actually... we should check that one out. Yeah. I'm the Dolgo was alright. I saw that one. I'm a sucker for werewolf movies. I yeah. like them. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. What else is there really to say about it? The music's incredible. I love the music. Oh, yeah. Um, Beyond that, this is a movie a lot of people know. I mean, kind of is what it is on the surface. I get, yeah. 
Dad's a scientist, has a shrinking ray, accidentally shrinks the kids and shoots them into the backyard. <laughs> and they have to survive in the backyard for a day or two. Um, yeah, class. this is the kind of like the Dis Disney movies that I was like, yeah, I, these are classics and I like them. And mm -hmm. they beat the fuck out of the DCOMs. Even though this probably, in its own way maybe formulated as a decom it was just done much better yeah than most i uh, mean this era actually has some bangers like cool runnings and stuff they uh, they were doing pretty good movies for a little while there and then i don't know i guess heavyweights they yeah but maybe they just <laughs> Oh, I love that movie too. It's just maybe they tried to go cheaper eventually, or I don't, I don't know. I feel like I have a vague memory of watching some kind of documentary with Neil about it, but I really couldn't recall the details. Um, yeah, I give this movie five out of five. You give it five out of five, or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, let's uh, hit up this last one, and that is Renfield. This is a new one came out this yeah, year. Yeah, we watched this last night. Yeah. And having grown sick and tired of his centuries as Dracula's lackey, Renfield finds a new lease on life, and maybe even redemption, when he falls for the feisty, perennial ang perennially angry traffic cop Rebecca Quincy. Played by Aquafina, Renfield's mm -hmm. played by Nicholas Holt, and Dracula is Nicholas Cage. So, there you go. Right at the end, you know why we watch this. <laughs> um, it's directed by Chris McKay, who also did The Tomorrow War, which is stupid as fuck. Um, but he also did the Batman mo Lego movie, which I hear people really like, but I've never seen it. No, I've never seen that one either. And then some other animated-y type stuff. But, uh... I gave this three and a half stars, and I liked it. Um, yeah, I'd say that's yeah. fair. Why don't you go tell me your thoughts on it? Uh, I thought it was... I mean, I was expecting a very different movie going in. Even just from like watching the trailers, I guess I didn't really anticipate it being such of a... a they almost went like an anti-hero, like superhero style movie yeah. with it. Uh Kind of like, yeah, we were even mentioning, like, in the same vein as, like, Kick-Ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, and... it's Kick-Ass, um, the buddy comedy elements of, like, Rush Hour a little bit. Yeah, a little bit there. Um, oh, the humor is a little Zombieland. Yeah. I, I never liked Zombieland. That's one I feel like I maybe need to give another shot, because I had major zombie fatigue at the time and then, yeah i think everybody did and then that everybody is, was like it's yeah. so it's the funniest thing ever like how much he loves twinkies and i was just like shut up shut up like <laughs> i think maybe i'd be a lot more forgiving of it now but yeah. it was just like silly meandering like like there's a line in this movie which is reflective of the humor of it is like something crazy wild violent happens but then aquafina's being aquafina and she's talking to her partner and he's just like i hope you got this one because 
the toilet's gonna take a number two and then uh, he shuffles <laughs> off to go take a shit and you're like okay <laughs> it's like <laughs> i did like essentially all of that stuff like i could give zero fucks about and i didn't like it really it's all about nicholas holt as renfield and nicholas cage as dracula that's like the stuff i like and it's yeah. Nick Nicholas Cage is being very Nicholas Cage, but actually like genuinely kind of creepy. Like, yeah, he did a good job, like unsettling Dracula take, but still yeah. funny. Like, so it was a little bit of both. Um, this I mean, is I a... can't think I can't think of anybody else you could cast in that role that would have done it better. A, a humorous yet creepy Dracula like that yeah it Nicholas Cage he so I guess that's what it is is he owned the actual fearful aspects of Dracula and it was yeah. creepy if you casted somebody else like maybe a Christopher Walken back in the day like a little bit maybe, younger yeah. but then he would just be doing Christopher Walken I don't know if he would have been it, yeah, I don't know. But then again, Christopher Walken was pretty creepy in Sleepy Hollow, so... Yeah. But I guess it would have to be something like that. Like, anybody else, if it was, like, say, John Leguizamo, it would just be John Leguizamo. And you'd be like, eh, it's yeah. all the humor and none of the actual creepiness. Um, Nicholas Holt was actually... This is the most likable I've ever found him. I think yeah. in everything else I've ever seen him in, I don't like him. Not to say he's a bad actor, it's just whatever he's doing, I'm like, what a annoying character. Yeah. Uh he was actually for like a serious role. Mm. Yeah, I mean he doesn't have like a huge repertoire. But for a serious role that I did like him in, he was in the Tolkien biopic and uh, okay. he did pretty pretty darn good in that one. Alright. I haven't seen that one. I wasn't really a fan of the the X Men stuff he was in. No. Um, I wasn't a fan of those X Men's in general, though. For me, he was uh, in Mad Max as the the one of the War Boys. Uh, so there's, Ma there's the, the main things. War Boy. He's yeah. in Mad Max and he's in the Menu. Both roles mm -hmm. that are good, and he did a good job in them. But I find the characters annoying. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, yeah. they're kind of written that yeah, way. Yeah, they are. So it's so. like, he did a good job. Just I'm just like, eh, yeah. fuck a guy again. Damn it. <laughs> um, this person gave it three and a half stars. They said, fun action comedy for a date night. Nick Cage is brilliant in this, and the upbeat silly vibe is a lot of fun. Much better than I expected. Three and a half stars. I think that that is kind of the gist right there is... Yeah, I'd say that's pretty silly. Fun. It's very gory, but in the silliest of ways. I was yeah, they're using gore as a comedic element for sure. Like it's it's yeah. over the top on purpose. Like it's come the most gory you can go. And I got maybe it's because we've been watching like shit like From Beyond or whatever. But I will say that the CGI blood and all that took me out of it a little because I was like. Eh, it's very fake looking. And yeah, they I would have preferred a little more practical stuff, yeah, for sure. 
I guess there's something about that. Just seeing an actor actually get sprayed. Even yeah. if it is with, like, that blood looks pretty fake. But it's, like, to actually have it impact them. And, like, they get... we were talking about how in the 80s, like, early 90s, is like this was, like, just a gooey, like, slimy era. Like, mm. we were talking about the viscous water and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where it's just, like, yeah, eh, like, they're in this gross lawn water that's just... Ugh. It's like with this, it's like he's chopping off arms, and yeah, he's got blood on his face. But it's like, oh, somebody applied that blood on his face with a brush because that CGI blood. It's like if there was yeah. that much blood, it would have soaked him. Mm-hmm. But that's me being nitpicky and like just liking practical effects a bit more. And so they were clearly going for like, it's like a fountain of blood from him jumping onto a pile of like a hundred bodies or something like to do that practically would yeah that would be something else um Aquafina I don't give a shit about is there anything she's done that you really like um I mean nothing really to pick out um I kind of like her shtick I don't you know, like, it's not like I would go see a movie because she's in it, but I really don't mind it. I find her funny. Fair enough. I mean, she does have pretty much the same shtick in every movie that she does. I mean, Aquafina is Aquafina in every movie. But I don't mind it. And I think about 50% of the time, the jokes get me. So, hmm. yeah. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. I think I've... So this is like the third thing I've seen her in. Sorry, in the Between Two Ferns, the movie, Renfield and Shang-Chi. And she's mm-hmm. kind of taken me out of every single thing I've seen her in, so. I, yeah, I wish she's her kinda... well. I don't dislike her, but she does. I'm like, eh, you're doing a thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I mean, I like Jack Black more, but it's kind of that same vein of actor. Like, Jack Black is pretty much Jack Black in every movie. It's just Jack Black in this new situation. Yeah. It's this, kind of the same with Aquafina. That's true. And that's why... Yeah. I Jack Black shows up and stuff. I kind of groan. Because I'm like, oh, he's going yeah. to be Jack Black. And that's why I really didn't like him in that one Star Wars episode of The Mandalorian. I was like, yeah. can't just be in Star Wars and just be Jack Black like that? god damn it but uh yeah that's us in the diary reviews that's the most recent one um so i was gonna also try one thing i think we've done this before but try to get a little more used to it each time so real quick what's your favorite movie out of the movies we reviewed today um I mm, probably Farm Beyond. Me too. Far as as like rewatchability for sure. Yeah, I I think probably runners up are Babe and Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. And then yeah, From Beyond was my favorite. Who is your favorite character in all these movies? Mm. That's one that one's a little harder. Um 
I, I thought about that the other day. I was like, ooh, that's kind of a fun, fun one. Um, I'm going to actually give it to Nicolas Cage for Dracula. I mean, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah. I mean, that's the most standout character for sure. The After that, I'd have to go with uh, the Doctor and From Beyond. Like not yeah, I would the, say the evil that one from the other side. Yeah, I. Uh, oh, I thought you meant the 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 but other the slut. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. The the evil doctor from from beyond. He did a pretty darn good job too. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Just just the he slut from beyond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I mean, uh, I'll give it to Patrick. Uh, what's his name? Played the T one T one thousand, or wait a minute. Oh, um, from Terminator Two. Yeah, bad guy. Uh, what is Patrick? It's um Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Yeah. Did you know that his brother is the lead singer of the band Filter? I did not. Well, now you do. And <laughs> you know we could keep doing this. For my own personal taste, we'll just do two more. Uh, which one do you think was the best directed movie? I might best have, directed. Yeah, I might have to give it to Babe for everything going on in that. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that, too. Um, probably the most difficult to direct was probably from Beyond, I think. With well, all of, I'm I'm also kind know. of brushing over Terminator Two. Maybe I'll give it to that. That's true. Um, I'd still say Babe is maybe a little better directed than Terminator Two. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's a hot take. <laughs> but I don't know. It is interesting. You start getting into the stuff going on and from beyond. They're even Honey I Shrunk the Kids very a little bit. And, You're like, yeah. there's a lot going on in those. Um, and then. Best score. Well, I had the best music. Oh, probably Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Let me think about Either that. It. Terminator has some pretty good music, too, though. Terminator's pretty fucking iconic. You and can Babe still... has a nice... Yeah. Has a fitting score. Like, the, the score isn't distracting in any way. It fits the movie perfectly. Babe. All right, Terminator but 2 probably... wins, on, for me, only because... I still, to this day, like, I don't know if this will come through on the mic, but if I knock on somebody's door, it's... Yeah, yeah, I, I do that. And it's like... Uh, oh, in my first band, Nadia Perro, we even did that. We did Cosmo Canyon from Final Fantasy VII into Terminator mm -hmm. 2. It's pretty That's pretty cool. Mix. Yeah, it <laughs> works. Uh, yeah, so... With that, let's do some quick movie news. Um, this will be super quick this time, because that lasted a little longer than I thought it would. Um, headliner is Fetty Alvarez's Alien movie sets release date. Have you heard about this? I haven't, actually. It'll be the first movie in the franchise since 2017's Alien Covenant. 
After a couple of quiet and uncertain years for the Alien franchise following the disappointing critical and commercial reception of Alien Covenant and Disney's Fox acquisition, fans of the series will finally be able to mark their calendars with a date to return to the franchise as Fetty Alvarez's Alien movie gets an August 16th, 2024 release date. Do you know when in the timeline it's supposed to be? The film hasn't been officially titled... However, it did show up in a production listing posted by the Film and Television Industry Alliance as Alien Romulus. This could be a working title. Uh, While details regarding the plot of the film are sparse, a synopsis for the film via 20th Century Studios reads, In this ninth entry in the immensely popular and enduring film series, a group of young people on a distant world find themselves in a confrontation with the most terrifying life form in the universe. So that's pretty vague. Hmm. Yeah, it is. I I hope that they're gonna slot it into the existing series. Yeah, somewhere. There's no rather than being like, oh, we're gonna reboot. You better not reboot Alien. Yeah, it's not. There's no Sigourney Weaver in it. You know, and I know that people don't love them, and I would I'd say that they're definitely flawed. But I want them to wrap up that prequel trilogy yeah i would love to see the you know put a nice bow on it yeah what is the whole fucking engineer all this stuff like all that shit and then i always i grew up with the alien versus predator thing actually being a legitimate thing in like comics and books the movies are terrible one reason being is that they go back to present day earth and come to earth you're like no 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 it's out in space it's space marines and aliens and then there's the predator home world and then they're confronting each other as they're in space and i always thought like okay like integrate engineers and it's essentially like starcraft yeah and i don't know I, i just i was always bummed they never pursued that and you could come up with other alien species like as things go along, but oh well. <laughs> I I love aliens and I I borderline love Predator. And yeah. I don't know. I, I liked Prometheus a lot. And then Alien Covenant had some really cool stuff, but it did start to like it listened too much to the critics of Prometheus and then became yeah. kind of a generic slasher movie kind of thing. My favorite line from Alien Covenant, though, is like when one of the names is David and then the other one is like Gary or something. I can't remember. <laughs> but it's like, you put your fingers on the holes and I'll do the fingering. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> um let's see here bunch of transformers blah 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 who gives a shit who cares <laughs> yeah. uh man i'm not gonna talk too much shit on this site i go to for news so i won't even say who they are but they have really turned into a bunch of think pieces there's one that's like 2005 2005's House of Wax introduced us to classic horror while ushering in a new era. Did it? <laughs> it's like, 
House of Wax <laughs> from 2005. Like, I like that movie, but, like, it didn't do any of that shit. Shut up. I mean, it's based on a much earlier horror movie yeah. anyway. It's it's a remake. <laughs> yeah, Why? it was popular for putting an arrow through Paris Hilton's head. <laughs> like that's why we all went to see it and then yeah like horror was a little bit sparse around then you kind of would get what you could get um does the flash have end credits like who gives a shit let's go see it and find out um adam divine is a fixed pooch in r-rated Gendi Tartakovsky film. Sorry for mispronouncing that. <laughs> Tartakovsky. Gendi Tartakovsky. Uh, never heard of that, but I do like Adam Devine. He's funny in um, Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. This movie will also have Idris Elba and Catherine Hahn. I like them. So that's something. Um... Yeah, I'm not really seeing much else. Uh, it's all... Oh, okay, we'll, we'll end with this. Um, so, Cormac McCarthy passed away today, I guess. Oh, yeah, yep, I did hear that. That's... Did you ever... I mean, he was 89, but, sure. you know, still... it's still sad yeah. to see him go, I guess. So, I'll, I'll take a sip of my tea here. Cheers, rest in peace. Um, I've never read any of, you, any of his books, though. I've only seen the movie No Country for Old Men, and I like that movie a lot. Um, Have you seen it. The Road? I never did. That's, yeah. Everybody talked um, about how miserable it is, so it's one well, of those movies yeah, where it's... I'm like, I'll watch it eventually, but when everybody's saying it's depressing and miserable, and I like, ugh, I was like, it's kind of like uh, Schindler's List. Obviously more fantastical than that. You, but it's like, yeah. I have to see this, but it's such a bummer that I don't know when. Feels like almost like a Sunday afternoon watch. Yeah. Then you have to take a shower afterwards or something. I don't even yeah. know. Have a long cigarette after. <laughs> yeah, staring into the middle distance in the backyard. Hopefully it's raining. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've never seen any other st adaptations or I don't know what book to read of his people recommend. Yeah. The road or no country for old men, but I'll mention this article just saying that apparently Hollywood keeps trying and failing to adapt Cormac McCarthy's unfilmable novel. And I was curious if you knew anything about it. But uh, for 40 years, Hollywood has tried and failed to bring Cormac McCarthy's masterpiece, masterpiece to the big screen, and that's Blood Meridian. I've Yeah, I've heard of scripts floating around for Blood Meridian and it just never being made. Like, I've heard it is a movie that has been tried, you know, in yeah. pre-production several times and it never, just never did anything. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like Dune. Sure. Dune has been been, you know, in pre production so many times and only been successfully filmed twice. Yeah, there's Stephen King's. And, head. That's another one. 
Yeah. Was always get hearing stories like they're gonna it's in development and you're like, sure it is. Actually, Beetlejuice two. Yeah. It's another one you would always see an article and then it would just fade away. I think they're actually doing it now. But um Yeah. Anyway. Do you know about the plot of Blood Meridian or like I don't. I don't yeah, I don't either. So yeah, if, if if there's any book we should read, write us at the Jacob Wayne Show at gmail.com and let us know. Or any movie adaptations we're not aware of, but uh, rest in peace to him. Yeah, I will say No Country for Old Men is in my top five, so. Of all time? The movie. Of all time, yeah. Oh, wow. I love that movie. That's wonderful. It's very good. Um, I guess I'll throw it out there real quick. They've also started putting up all the sets from Stephen King's It, the new ones. They're putting it back up for the HBO series Welcome to Derry. So it looks like they are expanding upon that universe and that version. Which I wish they didn't. But just leave it alone for a minute and then start fresh with the new take. But oh well. And man, there's been something I've been wanting to talk to you about with that. But we're going to save it for the, (laughs) the It episode where we just fucking go full in. But uh, with that, I think that that's good. We'll just wrap it up right there. So, um, yeah. Anything else? Oh, I don't think so. All right. So I'll talk to you next time, buddy. Yeah. Have a good one. Ta-ta! Yay! Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. If you would like to contact us, please write us at fogkoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in.